pray and in your home say amen this morning. God bless you. Praise the Lord. We're going to jump into the Word of God today. I'm so excited about what God's Word is and what God has in store. I love that worship. And uh, again, as you're watching online, don't check out too early. The last song uh, of the set today is Killer. They insert a line in there uh, from another song and it always uh, jacks me up. It gets me, it gets me fired up and ready to go. And so, uh, man, I, I love being in church. I, we missed it last week. We did, I uh, did it from our, our picnic table outside and Janie sang from the uh, piano room and Andrew and Emily sang from their living room. And, and then I saw another young couple online who, who uh, are quite noted. They look like Andrew and Emily. They were singing the same, they were singing a different song, but they were singing online as well. It was really cool. You know, uh, through this COVID process, the seven or eight months we've been kind of locked in together, uh, I've noticed a few things, and I think whatever the enemy meant for evil, God will and can turn around and make good of it. I, I see empty stadiums, and I see empty auditoriums, and I see empty churches, and I see empty places, but I think maybe God's getting our attention. Maybe he's getting us just to look back to him a little bit. And when Janie and I were locked in for our 10 or 12 days, and uh, my, my illness wasn't that bad. I, I, had, uh, I had simple symptoms, lightheadedness, um, uh, maybe a little bit of nauseous, uh, headaches, body aches, uh, fatigue. We're still not quite over the fatigue yet. And it hit her a little harder. And uh, we were at one point night... Um, we were, do we go to the hospital or not? And with COVID and the hospitals, and I didn't want to, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know if I could take her first of all, and I didn't, uh, I, I didn't want her to be on a COVID floor uh, by herself without me. That's that's not, that's not how we operate. Uh, and so, I called the prayer team, and she called the power team. And there's a difference. Not that. Not that the prayer team's not powerful. Our prayer team's amazing. Our, our prayer people in our church, I called some leaders. I called some, I, I, I text some people. I, I got word out, hey, we need a call. I stayed, I stayed awake that night, watching over, making sure we were doing the right thing, making sure we are making the right decisions. She was very sick, church. But she called her mom and dad. Now, that's the power team. The power team got on it. Power team got on their knees. Power team called and checked on her, saying, we prayed hard for you today. Power team knows how to get God's attention. That's what we want to talk about today. How do you get God's attention in time of need? Because there will be a time. There will be a time in your life that you're going to have to get God's attention. There will be a time in your life where you'll need it maybe for a grandchild or a son or a daughter. You'll need it for a family member or for a friend. You'll need it for a business decision or a church decision. You'll need it for a lifetime decision. Is this, Lord, what I'm supposed to do? You need to get God's attention. And when you're at that point in time, first of all, you need someone in your life that you can look to and say, I need the power team on this one. Prayer's good. Our prayer team's amazing. Our prayer team are packed full of powerful people. But sometimes we have confidence in people, that one or two people that, hey, I really need you to pray this prayer. I want to be that person for someone in my life. I want to be that power team where someone will call and say, I can get God's attention. I want our church, I want Grace Church to be able to get God's attention. And Lord, if, you'll, if you'll write these notes down, if you'll take notice today, I'm going to give you three keys that will be able to, you'll be able to get God's attention. So you can be that power team for somebody. You can get that. You can be that person that says, wait, I'm going to step up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray like there's no other. I'm going to pray like it's my grandson, like it's my daughter, like it's my husband, like it's my wife, like it's my pastor, like it's my friend. Even if we don't know them, we can be the power team for somebody. Amen. Prayer teams are good. I love our prayer team. And our prayer team's packed full of power. I'm going to say that one more time. But every now and then, you've got you to resort to the, who you know is the power team in your life. And God has that power. Amen? So if you have a Bible, we're going to go to Mark's Gospel, the seventh chapter. We're going to start with verse number five. And we're going to read through nine. I'll prelude the story. Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees once again. It seems like he has been. Peter's telling the story to John Mark. You know that by now. 
Mark's writing it down. I think they're in a coffee shop in Jerusalem. That's my, uh, that's my take on the whole thing. And he's writing it down as fast as he can. It's like when you see someone just writing things, he takes notes. I'm a, I'm a note taker. Uh, Dr. Charles Kelly, who used to be the superintendent of the Assemblies of God, a couple doctorates, a couple masters, brilliant man. And I would see him, no matter who was preaching, he would take out a phone or a pen and paper. He would write it down. This man was smarter than smart, is smarter than smart, but he would, he would take notes. I noticed if he needed to take notes, then Mark probably needed to take notes. So I can imagine that, that if I needed to take notes, then he was taking notes. So I'm going to take some notes. I noticed that John Mark was probably taking notes from Peter. And so maybe there's just a couple things you might want to take notes, but the Pharisees were always causing Jesus a problem, a headache. Religious people have a tendency to do that because religious people never look at the problem or the solution. They look at who they think is causing the problem or trying to perform a solution. And the Pharisees came to Jesus and they noticed, hey, your, your disciples don't wash hands. I mean, this is, this is rule. This is like, have you ever had someone say, no, no, we don't do that. We, we don't do that. I remember in my first church, we uh, canceled Sunday night service because we were going to small groups. And we had two Sunday morning services. And, and uh, I had a guy come up to me. And he had sent his, his couple of his children to Bible college. And super nice guy. Uh, really got along with him really well. He, man, he did everything but curse me. You can't do that. That's against code. That's against this. That's against that. That's against, and, I, and I'm like, man, he caught me by surprise. I said, wait a second. Time out. Give me, you got to give me chapter and verse at some point in time. I don't care about man's rule. I care about God's rule. And man's rule is good, but if we're not careful, we'll find out. Man's rule becomes tradition, and then we put it on the front burner, and we forget about what God has to say about it. So Jesus is tackling the Pharisees just simply because his disciples didn't wash their hands because they were hungry. Now, Especially during the virus, I'm not suggesting that you don't wash your hands. Please wash your hands. Please keep a social distance. Please wear gloves, wear masks, do, do everything. And listen, by the way, having come through this, and maybe I'm a little bit more sensitive to it. I know my emotions are a little bit more sensitive today. I was crying during one of the songs just in pre-worship, and I had no idea why. I just I felt the presence of God here. But I, I want you to know that it's not out of fear that we do these things. It's out of wisdom. It's out of preservation. It's out of love for our fellow man and woman, okay? Can we, can we say that? And so we're not, listen, you are looking at a man who does not, I do not operate in fear. I promise you that. I don't think there's a fearful bone in my body. But I do respect the health of others, and I do respect the love that God has for other people. Amen? And so just be, be aware, be cautious, and, and wash your hands. That's a, that's a good thing, too. And so let's read the scriptures. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? I love that. I love how Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. Like, you don't have to guess with Jesus where you're at. You don't have to guess with Jesus like, am I in or am I out? What's going on, you hypocrites? As it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold true to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish, and one translation says, the tradition of men. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for life today. We thank you for love and joy and peace and truth. And we thank you for forgiveness. And we thank you, Lord, that... Lord, your word supersedes all traditions, and we want to talk about the ways we can engage with you and get your attention. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When I was young, my parents sent all of us eight kids to a parochial grade school. If you don't know the word parochial, that's a Catholic grade school, a private school. We were so blessed to have uh, had that education, and my dad worked hard, I'm sure, putting us through. I think he had six children at one time in the Catholic school all at the same time, and then the older four went to a Catholic uh, high school. Uh, the younger four went to a public uh, high school. 
That was our choice. And so, uh, but when we, just as you would today, probably no, no matter if it's a private school, parochial school, or home school, or a public school, uh, we would, to get the teacher's attention, we would raise our hand, okay? I mean, that's, we, 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 we couldn't say, you know, Mrs. So-and-so or Sister So-and-so because some of the nuns taught classes. We would simply raise our hand, and when uh, the, the nun or the teacher saw our hand raised, we had their attention. We could ask our question if we needed to use the restroom, if we knew the answer, whatever the, the case may be, where many were taught, as we were as well, that at night then, you know, we should kneel by our bed and we should, we should pray and get God's attention that way. And so if we do that in worship. When we raise our hands, we're seeking for God's attention. It's good to raise our hands. Some people will say, well, why, why do you raise your hands when, when you worship? Why are you so expressive? Well, I'm expressive in a lot of things. I, my football team played yesterday and didn't win, but I was expressive. I, I was excited that they were, first of all, just playing. I, they scored a touchdown. In fact, they scored first. I was, I was jacked up, and they tied the game in the middle of the second quarter. I thought, man, we have a chance. This is amazing. So why wouldn't I be expressive to God? Why wouldn't I be expressive to the King of kings and the Lord of all glory, the bright morning star and the lily of the valley? Why would I not be expressive to the creator of the universe who knows me? And that includes my flaws. That includes my hangups. That includes my, my, my faults. That includes the things that probably would mess up and disturb a lot of people, but he knows me. Why wouldn't I raise my hand? And by the way, by raising our hands in worship, yes, we are gathering God's attention. We are, we are simply saying, Father, I surrender all to you. I love some of the old hymns. I told Janie, when this stupid COVID is over, yes, I use the word stupid in church. <laughs> I'm tired of COVID. When this is over, we need to have a throwback Sunday. We need to sing some hymnals. We need to have fried chicken out on the front lawn. We need to have church like the old Southerners used to do it years ago. I like fried chicken. It's not keto friendly, but man, I like fried chicken. We had a dear friend bring us over some chicken strips. Oh, my. They were amazing. I forgot how good fried chicken strips were. Thank you, Jesus. That was a Holy Spirit moment. I think I felt better that day because of the fried chicken strips. When you raise your hands, you're gathering God's attention. And some people can choose not to raise their hands. I'm not saying that you don't. You really rather gather God's attention with your heart, for sure. But when you raise your hands, just like when we kneel, and we, we, push our, we put our knees down. We, we understand that we're, we're praying, we're asking God, we're gathering God's attention as well. I want to give you three ways today that you can, get, I believe, capture God's attention. And you, again, you may need this at some point in time. Or someone you know might need it, and they're going to seek you for it. You're going to be their power team when you don't know if you need to take your wife to the hospital or not. Do, is it, I mean, do we, it, this, wasn't, this isn't normal conditions. This isn't normal situation. We, we have COVID. We have the coronavirus. And there's a special floor for people like Jane who are sick like that. And I'm not saying that we were unwise. I'm saying I had to put it before the Lord in prayer. She had to put it before the Lord in prayer. But she thought, I'm going to call a couple aces in the hole in when, when my prayer. I'm going to call the power team. Number one. The first thing is you need to know, follow, and understand what God's commands really are. You need to know. See, they said, Jesus said, Ma, you've really done a great job setting aside the commands of God and following the tradition of men. Hear me. In a political year, racial tension and unrest, America's in an upheaval. People, this side doesn't get along with this side. We don't know what's going to, this going to happen or is that going to happen. Everybody is at war with each other. It's a trick of the enemy to divert us from who we should be following and serving, and that's God Almighty. He's the creator of the universe. So Jesus basically says in Mark 12, Matthew 22 and Luke, I think it's 15, on what these great commands are. In fact, let's read them out of Matthew 22, 36 through 40. He says this, an attorney comes to him, love attorneys, I love the brilliance of them. They know the law, and this attorney wants to work the law, maybe a little bit against Jesus. Teacher, which is the great command in the law? 
And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, (coughs) sorry, depend all the law and the prophets. Now, he's saying here the Ten Commandments, not just the Ten Commandments, the 633 commands written in Deuteronomy by Moses under the unction of the Lord, the Ten Commandments, and all of the Old Testament prophets all lie within these two things. You must love God with your heart, with your soul, and with your mind. With, in other words, you must love the Lord with everything in you. Now, that's seemingly so easy and yet so impossible to do, right? Because we're finite creatures. We're mortal human beings. We know we have flaws, and so because we have flaws, we assume other people have flaws, We assume that if we judge someone, then someone must be judging us. But Jesus says, no, wait a second. If you love God with, let's break it down. If you love God with your heart, if I love God with my my passion, my fire that burns. You you hear someone say, uh, sports people use this all the time, well, their heart wasn't in it. They're just going through the motions. And sometimes I think if, that, if we're not careful, that infiltrates the church. We just go through the motions. Our heart's not really in it. That passion, that compassion, that sympathy, that empathy, where we start to love God. God, now I love you with all of this. In fact, Jeremiah says we need to circumcise the foreskin of our heart. Why? Because our heart gets hard. Life, life can deal you some tough blows. Janie and I were, uh, we had to take a, a trip recently before, right before we went into uh, quarantine uh, to help our son Marcus with a, a small event. We were talking about just different family members who, uh, man, like they had it, t- they have it tough. Like, man, some, th- some things that have happened to some of those that, man, they rock your world. And, they, and, and yet, I know, it's, I know it's the love of Jesus Christ. I know it's the peace of the Lord. I know, I know God's in charge. I know, I know it's their love for God. And so God, Jesus says, you must love God. And by by the way, when we talk about God, we're talking about the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You must love God with all your heart. Now hear me. This, is, this sounds easy like I love God. Some people love God, but they don't have a relationship with Christ. Some people have a relationship with Christ, but they don't love God. Now hear me. It's like Jesus is my get out of hell free card. Yeah, I said the prayer. I baptized. I'm good to go. I, You might be. I'm not going to be your judge. But Jesus told the church at Ephesus in the Revelations that you've left your first love. You need to go back and redo that over again. And so I'm telling you how to get God's attention. Don't let the traditions, the fights, the wear and tear of men or political parties or unrest in a country tear apart your love for who God is. God sits on the throne. He is in control. He is in charge. So I love God with my heart. Now I love him with my soul. These feelings of emotion. Pastor, we shouldn't have emotions. Jesus had emotions. I love the emotions of Jesus. You know, Jesus wept at least three times in Scripture. He wept at Mary and Martha's lack of faith when Lazarus died. Some will say, well, he, he, he cried because Lazarus was dead. No, not at all. He, he said Lazarus was going to die. He spoke it out. He said, no, this is so that the Son of Man can be glorified by God. And, but Mary and Martha, both master, if you would have been here, No, Jesus is here. Jesus is in your life. So he cried. He cried over Jerusalem. The night before he was going to enter the city, he wept. Why? Because they just didn't get it. And then in the garden, he cried as if it were drops of blood. 
So Jesus, Jesus got angry. He braided a whip. Three hours, theologians tell us. It would have told him to, took him to braid that whip, braided the whip. And they went in and they turned over the money tables. The Bible says Jesus rejoiced. In fact, the literal interpretation is Jesus laughed, not at the tables, but during time with the disciples. He also, King James says, he berated the disciples because of their lack of faith. Jesus had emotions. It's okay to be emotional, but when we have our soul, this is that gut instinct. This is that moment where the Holy Spirit tells you to do or not to do something. So I love God with my heart, and then I love God with my emotions. Lord, I love you. This allows me to throw my hands up in praise. This allows me to shout. This allows me to root for God more than I would my local sports team. This allows me to root for the king of kings, not because he's sending somebody to hell, but because he loved them so much he won't send them to hell because he calls upon us to be a witness and a testimony and a, and a, and a ball of fire, a, a human ignition that says, no, you can get through this. And then I have to love the Lord with my mind. And Paul tells us about the renewing of our mind. That word renewing here, back in the 80s and 90s, I don't know if they do it so much now, but every detergent on the shelf said new and improved. Everything was new and improved. I notice now new and improved means smaller and more expensive. We had tremendous people in our church uh, brought us ice cream. But like life savers, thank you. Jesus, but I looked on there, you know, a half gallon's not a half gallon anymore. A half gallon's a quarter and a half. It just looks like a half gallon. It just costs as much as a gallon used to, but now it's, I don't, I guess it's economics, whatever. But I know this, that when Paul says the renewing of our mind means that our mind was new at one time. See, your origin is in Christ. Your origin is in God. Your origin is this. Your origin is that you were created to have fellowship with the creator of the universe. Now you have to go back and renew that situation because the world will pollute you. Life will pollute us. Life will drain us. Life will bring us down. Life will just push you down and down and down. And God says, no, renew that mind in Christ Jesus. Whatever used to be complex, I now make simple. In fact, I'll use the foolish things of the wise or to confound the wise. So now my mind says, okay, Jesus, if you said it, I believe it. See, I'm pretty simple-minded, and I, I like to break things down in a simple way. I just, Lord, if you say it, I'm, I'm doing it. If you, so if I need to love God with everything in me, that's where I'm going to be. I'm, gonna love, I'm loving God with everything in me. I'm going to go back to my first love. Maybe I've lost it. Maybe you've lost it. Nothing to be ashamed of. Let's regroup. Okay, God, you're right. I, I'd let life get the, whole, get the best of me. I've let life drain me. You're right, God. But I'm going back. Lord, I'm loving you with everything. I'm loving you with my heart. So that I cried during pre-worship rehearsal. I, Lord, I, I, can't, I, got, I can't stop. Lord, this is too good. There's not many people here. There's a handful that are helping us with this service. Lord, this is too good. Why? Because, God, I love you. God, I, I love you with my heart, with my soul. And with my intellect, I was raised in a family as well as Janie was. We were raised in families taught to love God. We were raised with family. So unlike some people who were taught that God is mean or God's a harsh judge or God's some kind of evil person, no, God is love. Hear that. God is love. He loves you right where you're at. He loves you the way you are. Now hear me. Allow the Holy Spirit to work on you from the inside out. Hey, we all need to be changed. I like what Francis Chan said recently. Francis Chan said, when I sit down and read the Bible, if I disagree with it, I have to realize I have the problem, not the Bible. That's good, right? <laughs> In other words, if it says it, do it. If it says not to do it, don't do it. Amen? Stop blaming. Well, I see, that sounds hard. You don't need to blame when you've already got the victory. 
You don't need to blame yesteryear or yesterday when Jesus has given you the victory for today and tomorrow. And then Jesus says, and this is the hard part, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. What, what's he mean? Well, I, I'm going to love the same person that votes the way I do. I'm going to love the same person that goes to the church I do. I'm going to love the same person that eats at the same restaurant I do. I'm going to love the same person who, uh, you know, loves my sports teams. I'm going to love the same person that, that gets along with me. I'm going to love the same person. No, Jesus goes on to say in the Gospel of Luke, when the same attorney says, well, who's my neighbor? Because he was trying to catch him in a trick. He gives the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, there was a priest, that's a Christ follower, by the way, that saw this man get beat up, and he's laying there, and said he didn't want to be a part of it. That guy, maybe he deserved it, so he walks on the other side of the street. And then a Levi, that's a church leader, by the way. He comes, and he sees the guy, and he's laying there bleeding half to death, and he's not going to have anything to do with it either. He doesn't want to get messy, and it'd be nice if maybe I'll just call a couple deacons to do it, but he doesn't even do that. He goes around, and then there's a Samaritan, and the Samaritan says, well, hey, I'm gonna, I, I know I'm not the right guy, but somebody's got to take care of this guy. So he goes and takes care of him. And Jesus asks the guy, now, who do you think was the, the right guy? Who, who, was the, who did the right thing? Who was the neighbor? That, and then he says, you go and do likewise. Why? Because he's saying that if you love God with everything in you, your heart, your soul, your mind, then you must love the neighbor as yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you don't love God right now. So let's get that right. Let's just make that, hey, God, I love you. God, I'm sorry. God, I repent. God, I need you. Lord, I need you every day. Or, okay, God, now I'm, I'm working on my love for you. I know I've got a church. I've got online experience. I, I've got a Bible. I'm going to read. And by the way, if you need a Bible, email us. We send Bibles out by the hundreds. We will mail you a Bible. We have people here in the church that will buy Bibles for you so you can have a Bible. We will get you a Bible. And then love your neighbor as yourself. That neighbor is all-inclusive. That's the guy that doesn't vote like me. That's the guy that doesn't look like me. That's the guy that doesn't act like me. That's the guy that doesn't smell like me. That's the guy that has a different past than me. That's the guy that maybe shudders when I walk by that person because I just don't get it. I don't understand, but that is my neighbor. And Jesus says he wants me to love that person. And I found out over the years, and Janie and I have been doing this for quite some time now, found that over the years that when you start loving people that maybe nobody else loves, God just sprinkles you with a really passionate kind of love. It's like when you start to ask God, well, let me see that person just like you see him. It's hard to walk by people then that doesn't just have a little cringe in you. We were out of town, and a lady had come up to us, and uh, Y'all know I'm I'm pretty frugal. My wife's not real frugal. She don't mind spending. Money. She don't like shop. She likes to shop, and, and we we it's fun. We love it. So we were at a mall, and a lady came up to us, and and uh, she did she needed she needed some money, and um, I, my heart just broke. So I looked over at at Janie, and her heart just broke, and so. We, we gave the lady some money, and, and I know right now some people are saying, hey, you're stupid. Should, why'd you do that? I told the lady, I said, this is not my money. This is God's money. And however you spend it, you're gonna, I want you to answer to God. If, if it's groceries like you're saying, go buy groceries. If, if it's whatever, it, if it's for whatever it is. Now, I don't say that for a pat on the back. Trust me on that. I, I'm learning to love my neighbor that maybe I would have judged before saying, well, you just made some really bad life choices and that's why you're the way you are. Maybe that's not true at all. Maybe life choices weren't her choice. Maybe she's just looking, maybe God, maybe that was a divine appointment for us to go to the mall to shop. <laughs> so that we would run into a person that we could just take a moment and share the good news with. I promise you, I was more blessed than that lady was. 
I promise you. And when we gave the, the lady some money, we, we, we prayed a quiet, silent prayer as to not, you know, weird people out. And I know some people pray full on, God bless you. That's not my style. And Janie said, I really feel, I feel like that was the right thing. And I, I agree. I think, that, I think that was just a God appointment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If I was ever in that situation, I would want someone to treat me that way as well. Amen? All right. Before we go on to number two, we're going to read out of Mark's gospel, the seventh chapter. We're going to read 24 through 30 very quickly. And from there he arose, again, we're out of Mark 7, and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately... A woman whose daughter had been unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, even, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Ah, praise God. Now think about that for a second. We, we move on to the second point of getting God's attention. And number two is you must be broken in humility. You must be broken in humility. So one, you need to love God with everything in your heart, soul, mind, love your neighbor as yourself. You're going to capture God's attention because now he can use you as a vessel. He can use you as a vehicle. Number two, you must be broken in humility. She came to, she found Jesus. Now, listen, life is hard. So when I talk about ministry, I don't expect to say ministry is more hard than something else. Life is hard. But I saw a statistic recently that said, according to Fortune magazine that pastoring in America today is the fourth toughest job there is. Liking that now to Jesus, I can see where he want to get away for a little while. I can see where he just wants, man, I just got to chill out for a second. I got some, man, I'm just going to take a break, and I'm going to go over here. Nobody's going to know where I'm at. And so he goes over here, and all of a sudden people start to show up, and this Syrophoenician woman shows up, and she's marginalized three different ways. And here's the other thing we have to be careful of. We have to stop marginalizing people. If they don't look like us, if they don't act like us, if they don't talk like us, if they, don't, if they have a different background than us, we need to find a common ground so that we can minister Jesus in every way possible. She was a woman, unaccepted in that culture, still unaccepted in some cultures today. She was a woman. Two, she was non-Jewish. She was a Gentile, okay? And three, she was a foreigner, so here's three different things right here. And Jesus, frankly, isn't giving her the time of day, but she's broken in her humility. Now listen, broken humility will bring a boldness about you. It's the fact it's a beautiful boldness. Why? Because you know you have nothing to lose. It's not about me. And so she really captures Jesus' heart and soul, his empathy, his sympathy, his feeling. And yes, at first he says, first the children maybe need to be fed. And it's like there's an open door right there. There's just, there's just a moment right there where she was kneeling, and then she's, Lord, I, I need my daughter to be healed. Well, yes, but, I mean, the kids need to be, I, we can't cast bread to the, the breadcrumbs to the dogs, and, and the, she wasn't being compared the Theologically to a dog. And dogs in that culture weren't accepted or respected. Now, in America, everybody loves their dog. Oh, dogs are so cool. We have a, a, a frac, we have a, um, we're fraction ownership of a dog. <laughs> so our fraction's shrinking, by the way, which is altogether okay, too, but only because we've been in quarantine and last week, our dog, Andrew's and Emily's dog, Bo, 
was watching us on the, on the screen. They took a picture like, that, hey, I know those guys. I haven't seen them for a while, but I, I know those guys. But in this culture, the dogs are not accepted like that. They're, they're more of a curse. They're, and in some countries I've been into, like uh, Haiti and other third world countries, the, the dogs are that way. They run the streets. They're not, they're not family pets. Like we've domesticated dogs here in America. He's comparing the fact that she's not domesticated. You're Syrophoenician. You're a woman. You're not a Jew. I don't have time with you. I'm trying to rest, woman. But she she works on his emotion, not manipulative, but she understands through broken humility. And if you want to get God's attention, we need to humble ourselves. We need to walk in humility. Now, being a Nebraska football fan, I've learned how to be humble. They stopped winning a long time ago. And I'm sure that's partly because of me. But if your sports team is ranked and all, you still need to be humble. If your political party wins this election, you still need to be humble. If something goes your way, you still you need to be more humble. It's important that through a sickness or through a virus or through a situation or racial unrest or social tension or political power that we remain as a church, we remain humble. We walk in that humility. Proverbs 22 and 4 says, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. That's a pretty good reward. Why? Because God sees that you can handle it. He doesn't see that you're going to just get rid of it. He sees that, hey, I can trust my servant. And so this woman who's marginalized, she's not expected, she's not accepted. She's a woman, she's a Syrophoenician, she, she's, a, she's a foreigner, she's, she's not a Jew, she's a Gentile. She finds out where Jesus is, and I tell you today to get God's attention, you can find him because Jesus says we're two or three gathered together in his name. There will he be in the midst. You can simply raise your hand. In an act of worship, you can bow on your knee in an act of praise and say, Father, I need your attention. I need, Lord, I need this prayer request. Man. I need, Lord, I need to call on the power team, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to meet my needs physically, spiritually, financially, mentally, emotionally, relationally. Lord, I need you. I need you every hour. She came humbly before the Lord. And then number three, don't take no for an answer. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in such a way where, hey, God, no. I don't believe that you can demand or demand things of God. I think you can hold God to his word. I think you can speak the word out. I think you can, I think you can call those things. But I think God has the final say. What I'm saying is, you don't give up. Be persistent. Walk in this thing, okay, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray like there's no tomorrow, and if tomorrow comes and it's not the answer I want, I'm going to rejoice that God heard my prayer. I'm going to rejoice that the Father in heaven knows my heart. I'm going to rejoice that the Father in heaven cares about me. And it's not a win-loss column. Well, hey, God answered my prayer. You know, God, God, I don't know about you, but God met my, no, it's all of our prayer. It's all of our need. It's all of our care. God cares for all of us. But Jesus says this one really cool thing in the 29th verse, for this statement. Can we put 29 up there? Mark 7, 29. I think we have it. And he said to her, for this statement, translation, because of your word, because of logos, because you spoke it out in faith, because you believed what you were saying, that demon's left your daughter. See, it's not just praying. It's not just saying, oh, God, now I lay me down to sleep. No, it's saying, Father, I got a need in my house. Father, I got a need in my finances. Father, I got a need in my church. God, I got a need in my community. God, I got a need right here. Because of this statement, child, son or daughter, young or old, because of this statement, because of your word, Proverbs says there's power of death and life in the tongue. And we never quote this part, the fruit thereof 
the person will live by it. Come on back, worship team. The fruit thereof, the person will live by it. As we start to call those things into existence, Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says this, and I think we have it on the screen. Talking about persistence, talking about never giving up. And let us not grow weary in due season. Of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Go to verse 9 one more time. I want them to see that. Due season. The word there means, means kairos. Same due season is opportunity in the 10th verse, kairos. So what Jesus is telling the Syrophoenician woman who's marginalized is that we shouldn't even respect you, but because of your statement of faith, because you spoke it out, because of your faith, because you call that thing, I'm bound by you, by my heart, soul, and mind, I operate the same way that you do, love my neighbor as yourself, same thing I'm commanding you, I'm operating the same way, by your statement, your daughter's healed, your daughter's made whole, by your state, by your logos, by your word. So why not? Why not this week? Why not this song? Why not today? Why not love God with everything in you? Love your neighbor as yourself. Why not be humble before the Lord? Why not then be persistent? Why not say, okay, my faith is in God. And by that statement, Lord, you said there would be a Kairos moment that my faith would open the windows of heaven, even out of a due season. And you would pour out a blessing upon me that there would not be one to receive it. That blessing may be peace. That blessing may be perseverance. That, that blessing may be just what you need for this time. Can I pray with you? Let's stick around. We're going to sing this one song. This song is, a, this song is just going to refresh you. It's going to encourage you. Father, I pray right now for my dear friends watching online and that small crowd that's in-house. Lord, would you help us to love you with everything in us? to love our neighbor. Would you help us, Father, Lord, to come to you boldly, as Paul said, to the throne of grace, but through humility, knowing that, Lord, we are subject to you. And then last but not least, Father, help us to keep knocking. Help us to keep knocking on your door. Help us to be calling out. Help us to call out for lost people. Help us to call out for family members and friends. Help us to call out for people that need to know you. And you're looking for us to share that with them, to tell that to them. Father, we thank you for healing. We pray for those in our church who are still sick. Pray for those in our church who are still unemployed. Pray for those people in our church, Lord, who need more and more and more of you. Father, give it to them. We declare it by our statement. In Jesus' name. Worship with us from your house. God bless you. We love you.
Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.